Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union and a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson regions. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capello. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Now Media Group. Today, we welcome Aaron Boyer to Business Matters. Uh, welcome, Aaron. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Rob. Aaron's the branch manager at the West Kelowna branch of Valley First Credit Union. Um, today, we're going to talk about vehicles, something or buying a vehicle that can something that can be stressful experience for some people. Um, or letting, you know, when you get into a purchase, you're working with a dealership or maintenance costs, sometimes you overstretch your budget. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, what factors should be considered when someone's uh, purchasing a vehicle. So uh, thanks for joining and let's get started. Let's talk about buying cars. Um, so Aaron, before we, we jump in, maybe you could tell us a little, a little bit about yourself, your role at Valley First as well, and, and sort of what role you play in sort of the day-to-day -day at, the, at the branch. Yeah, thanks, Rob. So I, I'm the branch manager of the West Kelowna branch, um, and I actually just recently joined uh, the organization. So I've been um, with Valley First since the beginning of this year, so about uh, six months here. But I began my career with uh, one of the big five banks, so I have some experience um, uh, outside of the credit union as well. Yeah. But uh, most recently, I, I moved back to the Okanagan uh, from Vancouver, so I was out there for the last five years or so, and it was exciting to to join a, a great organization and and return back to the Okanagan where I where I was born and raised and I I think that the the great thing about it is to be part of a member owned organization and really be more involved and ingrained in the community and uh, I think it's it, it's exciting from the standpoint of being part of the community that that I grew to know and love and uh, so it's good to be back. So you you had ties here that brought you back here. Was was it the role that brought you back, or are you trying to get back anyways? And it just happened to all align. Yeah, I think it, I think it all kind of aligned. It was definitely something that I was I was looking to to come back probably over the last uh, two years or so. But uh, it ended up being kind of I mean, obviously COVID uh, uh, began uh, kind of March or so last year, and really kind of that uh, probably maybe uh, expedited things a little bit. But I. I do think that, uh, well, I'm actually, uh, we had to uh, postpone our wedding, but uh, getting married in uh, about a month here uh, out here in the Okanagan. So I think a lot of things kind of came together to, to make it all happen. Well, that's awesome. So yeah. I'm curious, actually, I'm always curious, how, how did you get into the industry? Like, so what got you into sort of the banking world and, and if you just go back a little bit on how you sort of, you know, you said you worked for one of the big five. So how did you get into that and why? Yeah, so when I was actually going to the university out here in the Okanagan, I actually uh, started working for um, my previous institution there, and it was something that I, I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoy the um, the member experience side of things. I really enjoy um, the financial piece and, and really being able to educate educate our members on um, something that I, I I think that there should be more education on 
uh, here in Canada. So I, I do feel kind of the responsibility to be able to, I mean, coach up, um, I mean, now coach up my advisors, but uh, at the time really be able to uh, offer that uh, uh, dedicated financial advice and really tailor it uh, to that specific member. So I think that's really the, the piece that I feel passionate about. But I think one of the things that got me into it is um, actually come from a, a kind of two generation or I guess the third generation of uh, credit union or uh, both my my mother and my grandmother were uh, worked for credit unions. My my uh, my mother still works for a credit union. She's actually a CEO of a credit union on the Sunshine Coast. So it was something that I think really the passion came from there and that really just seeing like I said, the member experience is really kind of the piece that I that I have passion about and, and really being able to, I mean, see our members uh, get towards their financial goals um, is really what I what I like to do and what gets me up in the morning. It's interesting because I um, I used to work for one of the big five as well way back when, and, um, and I've never worked on sort of the, the credit union side. Um, is that really one of the big differences? Like, and nothing against, you know, the big five, but but is you're more, I find Valley First is a lot more like community focused. And, and you mean, when you use the word members, you truly mean like, you know, your members, you know, you know their names. Is that really the big difference between that you've noticed kind of going from one of the big institutions to, well, I guess the big five to Valley First? I do. I, I think that it's, I think we really, uh, as a, I would say a tighter knit organization, we can be um, more flexible, more agile with kind of how we connect with the community. And I think that's the thing, I, just, just being with the organization for six months is the piece that I, I noticed right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I think that um, we're able to really get out um, and be able to be part of that. And it's something where, like you, like you put it, get to know our members, um, maybe even beyond kind of your normal just banking relationship and really know what their goals are and, and be able to kind of uh, see that journey towards those goals throughout their um, their financial journey. And I, I think that's the, the biggest piece that I see as different is really kind of being a, a part of that uh, and be able to see, for example, someone get into their first home or someone uh, uh, go into retirement and having kind of um, saved uh, properly with that and, and be able to kind of really enjoy that uh, that experience with them. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we're, we're, we said we're going to talk about buying a vehicle. So let's jump into that. So I'm curious, what was what was your first car you ever bought? And did you borrow or did you save up to buy it? Yeah, so first car I ever bought was actually a, a used Jeep Wrangler. It was when I was going to school uh, or going to university out here. Um, and it, I saved up to, to buy it. And it was, um, I mean, I would say one of the best vehicles to have in the Okanagan. You could have the, the top down and everything, especially with the <laughs> temperatures that are that are coming up this weekend yeah. uh, here. So I, I think it was, um, I mean, really enjoyed obviously driving it. But I think it was kind of an interesting story from a financial standpoint is when I eventually moved out to Vancouver, um, my now fiance and I both sold our vehicles. And I, I think it was kind of interesting. We kind of maybe did it a little bit backwards, but I used the proceeds of the, that sale to, to put our first down payment on our uh, first apartment. So I think it was kind of, um, especially since we're going to be talking about the financial side of, yeah. of uh, owning vehicles, I think it was kind of an interesting um, story just in terms of kind of how that worked out and uh, how you can kind of utilize the, I don't know, the value you built up in that vehicle and, and really kind of uh, be able to utilize it for maybe uh, some other goals that you have at the time. It is interesting, actually. So when someone's looking up purchasing 
a, a car vehicle. Um, what are some of the questions you think that they should be thinking of or asking themselves or researching that, so that way you're a little bit more prepared when you actually, before you actually go and make the buy? I think the two primary questions that um, that I'd ask myself, and I think it's maybe something that uh, maybe we don't consider as much, is really what is that the specific use of that vehicle? And I, I know that might sound kind of a, like a simple question, but um, maybe it's more um, for traveling outside the city, so it's, it's going to be more of a highway vehicle, or maybe it's just to get kind of point A to point B just inside the city. Like I, I think really giving some some thought and some consideration around that. And the other one would be a consideration around uh, what, what you can afford. So I, I think those are kind of the two um, primary questions I'd ask myself, just because I think if you really kind of um, take a look at that, it's going to really shape, okay, this is really specific to um, the use that I have for the vehicle, but it's also kind of a measurable goal in terms of what you can afford as well. Um, and being able to kind of set that, it makes that, um, that per that purchase journey kind of something more specific and it's kind of be able to kind of hone what the price range would uh, you be looking at um, based on those two questions and I I think that can really make um, I, most Canadians can make an informed decision if they kind of really consider those two uh, questions interesting in in do you um, do you think there's a best choice of either going newer or used when it comes to a vehicle. Like I know some people are like the joke used to be like you buy a new car, but by the time you get off the lot, it's already depreciated. Like you know, but but what do you have a preference or, or a recommendation for people when they're looking for vehicles? Yeah, so I I, I think my answer to this one is not going to come as much as, <laughs> uh, as a surprise because I I would definitely go used and and you touched on it really kind of around that depreciation uh, aspect and I should say. From a financial standpoint, I, I would say used, um, because like you said, I, I think on average, if you drive it off the lot, it's already worth ninety percent of of kind of what you purchased it for. But that being said, I, I do think that maybe there's a little bit of a happy medium there. Like if we look at the depreciation uh, curve of a vehicle, um, like I said, kind of ninety percent right when you drive drive it off the lot, but around kind of maybe that four year mark. Um, you're looking at maybe roughly 50% of kind of what that MSRP was when, when it was purchased new. So really kind of taking that into consideration, I think is a, um, a good one to think about because it, I mean, a four-year-old car really has the, uh, a lot of the same features that a brand new car uh, would have. And, uh, and I, I think one of the things that we always um, hear is, okay, well, maybe um, years ago it was uh, preferred that you'd buy a brand new car because there might be unexpected maintenance fees. And we don't know how the, the past owner treated the vehicle and things of that nature. But I, I think really the manufacturing of vehicles have come a long way and uh, lots of them are kind of, I mean, repair free. And in, in terms of, it's something that as long as kind of general maintenance schedule has been followed, I, I don't think that you're likely gonna buy a lemon or, or something like that. So I, I don't think there's too much concern there. Um, but I, I do think, uh, I, I think I, and I think I probably stole this from a used car dealership here in town, but I think that it's, it's important to remember that everyone really drives a used car. So it's a, I think that's a good thing to keep in mind when, when making your purchase and you're probably going to save a little bit of money when, uh, when you, when you consider that. So what about, I know a lot of our listeners are business owners, um, as well. So what about if you're a business or a business owners or things that you should be considering um, when you're purchasing a car? 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot of considerations to be made for business owners. And I, I think one of the primary ones, I think that we hear a lot about this in maybe the media or, or uh, from friends and family. But uh, one of the things to consider would be um, a business owner has some tax uh, benefits. And I think it's really around the question of uh, to lease or own that right. that really comes in. Um, because business owners have the ability um, of writing off uh, the portion that is for business use. So for example, like if someone were using it for 80% business use, they potentially could write off 80% of those lease payments on their tax return for that year. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of, I, I do, I would recommend someone uh, talks to a, talk to a tax professional when they're, when they're considering that choice, but I think it really revolves around that lease or own um consideration um and it, i mean there's some other caveats that like um luxury vehicles and um the maximum that can be deducted and things like that but i think generally speaking the uh, more expensive the vehicle um the business owner might want to consider leasing so i i think that's a a consideration to be made uh, for business owner and businesses uh based on the use of the vehicle so you said you said you saved up to buy your your first vehicle. Do you suggest, when possible, save up and pay cash for their vehicles, or what's your take on that? Not necessarily, and I, I think that um, it really depends on a few things. If someone's buying a vehicle outright, I think the thing that needs to be considered is that they're uh, really sinking that cash into a depreciating asset. So there might be. Um, some better uses of that cash, whether that's um, investing, whether that's maybe paying off some higher interest debt. I think there's a lot of considerations that need to be made um, when making that decision. Right. Um, because, I mean, even just to speak about kind of our um, current rate environment, like we're, we're seeing kind of a historical lows in terms of uh, what interest rates look like. So I think that um, maybe now more than ever, that might be a consideration uh, to be made. And, and that being said, I do think that um, saving up for a down payment is uh, something that uh, uh, most uh, car owners should consider um, because really make we shouldn't really consider it any different than, I don't know, maybe purchasing a house because it's something where working kind of with that 20% down or, or greater um, based on kind of what your cash flow looks like, what that budget looks like, um, that, that's something definitely to consider when, when making that decision. It's interesting. Can, I'm curious, how, how long can you, if you're going to finance, even if ever, you know, you save some dollars and you're going to put it towards the vehicle, but you're going to finance the rest of it. How long can you finance like a newer used vehicle? Like what's the terms typically on that? Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a great question because in terms of uh, what you see out there, I think the more common is probably the seven, eight year mark, which has really, um, um, expanded exponentially over the years. I do think that most Canadians should consider a, a shorter um, amortization for that uh, loan because you're really going to end up buying, paying less interest over that uh, amortization. So really thinking about that when you make that decision because there's always going to be those ads out there that are enticing us to go with that uh, 84 months or whatever it is at the time. Um, I would really kind of work with maybe the four-year mark as being maybe four or five-year mark. Uh, if, if, I mean, really we're looking to pay the least amount of interest over that uh, time period. Interesting. And can you, because you mentioned sort of right now we're in an environment where interest rates are low. Can you, can you refinance a car, a vehicle loan in the middle of like your term? 
to like, how, how does that work? Yeah, so I mean, there's lots of considerations that can, can be made over the life of that, um, that loan. I do think that um, thinking of it more in terms of um, looking at, like I said, that amortization is going to be one of the key factors and, and looking for um, an interest rate of between, say, three and five percent, I think is very reasonable. Um, I think really kind of um, knowing what to look for is, is one of the things that I would um and doing your research, I, I think, is something that I would really urge um, members uh, or Canadians to do, because I think that's really what's going to inform your decision around that. Yes, we, we can look at it, say, um, halfway through the term, but really kind of making that decision um, at the outset might be a, a great choice, because I think that's really where the budgeting comes in um, and being able to kind of revisit that maybe on an annual basis and, and taking a look uh, at, as you go is, is a great idea. Interesting. Um, do you typically have a formula, for lack of a better word, that, you know, how much should someone budget um, for spending on a vehicle um, on a, you know, considering, you know, you purchase, you got your insurance, you got your maintenance, you got, yeah, you got your gas, not cheap for gas right now. So, so how, how do you, how do you usually work with your members about budgeting around that side of it? Yeah, and I think that's something uh, right when you research uh, spending on a vehicle, something you'll see is the 2410 rule. And I think it's a great rule, especially when you're kind of considering that budget uh, specific for, I mean, quite a large purchase. Probably the only purchase that uh, is greater than that in our lives is, is usually a house. So I, I think really kind of, I mean, thinking of it in kind of the same terms. And the 2410 rule, so that the 20 would be the, the down payment, so the percentage of down payment towards the vehicle. The four is that amortization or that lifespan of the loan. So when you'll be ha have it paid completely. Um, and 10 is the percentage of that totally total month, total monthly net income that you should have uh, go towards that vehicle. And that should include everything. So insurance, maintenance, gas, all those uh, related costs there. So really making sure that you consider all that in and, and maybe sit down with their financial advisor and do that budget together. Um, but those are all things that you should consider when, when making that purchase. Because I, I think a lot of uh, maybe the mistake that some Canadians make is um, not considering those uh, main factors when they're making their decision, because I think it sometimes might be a little bit eye-opening, especially when you look at that 10% of your net income on uh, what's, a, what's a reasonable cost or what's a reasonable budget for that vehicle on a monthly basis. Um, so that, that should be something that, uh, you definitely sit down and, and uh, take a look at. Interesting. So how does, um, and, and this is probably, you'll get people on both sides, but I'm curious around leasing a vehicle compared to, um, buying a vehicle from a financial institution. Like what are the, maybe the differences, the pros and cons, like the narrative around those two options? Yeah, I, I think that, um, it's an, an important question because I, I think that leasing and buying, there's a lot of, I, I mean, pros and cons uh, with both of them. I think that, um, and, and we touched on this earlier, business owners definitely need to, to make this uh, consideration one of the, the top um, uh, things that they consider when purchasing the vehicle. I, the general consumer, I, I would say that, generally speaking, probably borrowing or um, like we talked about budgeting that 2410 rule uh, is usually likely the, the best option because, um, with leasing, there's going to be a lots of terms around that. So there, there can be some things where you definitely want to take a look at the fine print. There might be maximum on the amount of kilometers that you can drive in a year. There might be 
um, some considerations in terms of what uh, um, uh, state the vehicle has to be in when you when you return it. All of those things kind of really need to um, be considered because it can be a costly uh, arrangement if if you don't kind of take the the proper precautions there. The other thing with leasing, and in terms of kind of maybe some of the pros of leasing, would be um, cash flow. I, I would say that it's going to definitely free up cash flow. The payments on a lease is is usually lower uh, than if you if you're borrowing. Uh, to purchase the vehicle, um, but it, it's definitely, and I would say leasing, you're generally, I mean, in most cases, you're leasing a brand new vehicle. So it kind of comes back to our uh, used versus new. So uh, all those things need to come into play in, in terms of kind of that decision that that's being made by the, by the, by the member there. How about when there's the difference between um, financing through uh, a dealership or financing through an institution like you guys? So uh, you know, always you see incentives from the dealerships and so forth, so forth. But what's the difference there that people should be aware of? Yeah, I think that um, in in lots of cases, what the dealership is offering, it it might be um, a good opportunity. So some of the things that you see out there is the zero percent APR and a lot of the things that we kind of see in advertisements and media. I I would definitely. Um, take a closer look at those uh, specific offerings. I mean, the 0% APR usually only on specific vehicles that the dealership offers, or um, there might be specific terms like it only lasts for uh, one or two years of the seven year term or, or things of that nature. So I think that is gonna be uh, one of the considerations I would um, make when, uh, when you're deciding between say, um, financing through the dealership or coming to a financial institution to borrow. Um, the other pieces is, is really the age of that vehicle as well. So um, it might be a better option that, um, for example, for a used vehicle to um, go through a, a financial institution for, um, for borrowing, just in terms of kind of what that looks like um, in, in the kind of the grand scheme of things, just because um, I, I think that working with that kind of seven year um, time period, that, that's when you'd want to maybe uh, take a look at, at uh, your financial institution, what they can offer as opposed to the, to the dealership. Um, because with the dealership, really those that's backed by financial institutions. So really kind of um, there's some crossover there, but taking a look at what those terms look like, considering that 2410 rule and really kind of choosing what the best option would be from a monthly payment basis and what that looks like over the amortization of the loan. That, that's the key considerations I'd make uh, when deciding that. In, in, I'm curious, um, companies that need fleets, I mean, I'm assuming that's typically leased, I assume, like you're out, I, I, I don't think, I don't know, do you have members that are purchasing financing fleets or is it mostly leasing when you're, when you're, when you need that many vehicles? Yeah, you know what, I, I don't have um, that much familiarity with, with fleets. It, it is something that uh, a business owner should um, consider based on kind of, I mean, what the use of those vehicles in the fleet will be. Um, but I, I would say that generally it would be kind of a lease arrangement um, that you would have and it would be set up, for example, specifically through a dealership uh, where you'd arrange that uh, fleet arrangement. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah. um, don't want to throw any dealerships under the bus here, but what are some tactics maybe that dealers or sellers are use that as a consumer, we should be aware of or look at look at when we're when we're dealing with them on on a purchase of a new or used vehicle. 
Yeah, I, I think that there's a number of tactics and I think it really comes down to, I mean, sales tactics and negotiation tactics. Like you should be prepared to uh, encounter some of those, especially going into a dealership or I mean, dealing with a private seller. But I think that um, really considering some key things, um, I mean, some of the, what are the highest margin areas of the dealership? Like, let's say, for example, um, things like financing, things like uh, the service center and, and things of that nature. So giving some consideration to, to what those areas are when you're kind of um, having those negotiation dis, uh, discussions. But one of the things that I ran into actually when I um, uh, recently purchased a vehicle, I, I would say about, about a year ago, um, one of the things I ran into, actually ran into this in a few different dealerships that I went to, and I, I don't know if this is maybe a common tactic um, that they have, but they, they um, without me even asking, they would show me, and I put this in quotes, they'd show me what they paid for the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they'd give me kind of like a sheet that said, oh, this is what we paid uh, for the trade-in or whatever it was. Um, and then we did this maintenance to it. And then we did this and this. And then this is why we decided that it was, um, uh, this is the price that we're selling it for. I, I think that the biggest takeaway from that is, I don't think you should... I don't know how to best say this, but I don't think you should really um, decide what you're going to pay for the vehicle based on what you're hearing when you're there. I think you should definitely do your research before you go. I kind of decide, okay, this 2016 model should be roughly in this price range based on these features and things of that nature. So um, really kind of being well-informed before you go in and, and really kind of not letting some of that psychology and things that uh, kind of play into your decision there. But um, I, I think those are some of the common tactics. And I think we touched on some of the other things where, um, maybe some of the, uh, attractive marketing that they do, like the 0% APR and those low interest rates and the, the, um, low payments because the amortizations are longer than normal. Like all those things kind of, um, you should be wary of, uh, kind of when you, when you make that decision for sure. Well, and I think we all, we all know that dealerships have to make money. We get yes. that. But there's exactly. wiggle room, and I would just, and they're not going to sell you something at no profit <laughs> either, right? right? So, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're um, we're we're going to take a little bit of a a left turn here. Let's go left, um, and then we'll come back and finish a couple of questions. But we want to get to know Aaron a little bit more, so we're going to just have a few questions here to um, get to know sort of who you are and so forth. But, um, so what was your very first job? What was the very first job you ever, you ever did? My very first job was, uh, save on foods. I, okay. uh, I was working as kind of, um, I, like a grocery clerk kind of, uh, thing like, uh, the facing of the shelves and everything. Yeah. Was that here in Kelowna or? It was actually the mission, uh, save on foods. That was my first job. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, if when you're not at work, what what's where do we find you? What's the best way to, for, for you to spend a day away from work? You know what I would say probably walking the dog. So uh, maybe a hike with the dog, or uh, we are, he likes to swim, so we go to lots of the dog beaches around town for sure. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, so I have a chocolate lab. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah. Active. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned already a little bit of sort of why you love what you do, but what's what's your you know the your favorite thing in regards to your current role like what 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 just gets you super excited for uh, when you show up to work yeah you know what i i would say that um in my current role it's really about the success of my team like i i think that that's where i see 
that's what I'm most passionate about is um, I, th I think that's really kind of the shift where the shift to leadership came is I want to really kind of elevate my team and, and see them be successful. And I really think that um, it comes with that passion and being able to kind of be engaging with our members. And uh, the member experience is always something that I, I think about, like, for example, on the drive into work is really kind of making sure that we're able to deliver the best banking experience out there and, and uh, show them the value of, of banking with uh, Valley First. If, if you were able to grab a cup of coffee or a beer or a glass of wine with a famous person, uh, you can even dead or alive, um, who would it be? Is there someone that you really admire that you would love to just have a cup, cup, of, a cup of coffee with and, and just pick their brain? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of uh, lean to sports, but I think maybe most recently, maybe Phil Mickelson. I, oh. I think that especially with that, uh, that most recent major win, I think that would be a cool thing to, to chat with him about. I'm a big Phil Mickelson fan too because he's a lefty and I'm a lefty. And there's not many. Oh no way! <laughs> Mike, Mike Weir was another one that was a lefty. So great. Yeah. Um, plus, he seems like such a Phil Mickelson just seems like a such a normal dude. Like you just exactly. be, yeah, just to have a chat with him. Yeah. Easily relate with him for yeah. sure. It seems like if, yeah. if we asked um, coworkers um, to describe you in one word, what do you think they would say? What are some of the things they would say about you? Hmm. I would say um, always positive. Like, I, I think that I, I bring kind of like a positive outlook to, to most things that I do. Like, I, I think that really kind of, um, and I think we've touched on this already, but really kind of I'm being passionate about what I do. Like, I, I think that, um, um, and it's exciting to be a part of this community. Like I said, I, I think that the, the, pieces that I really kind of joined the organization are so readily apparent and, and being able to kind of um, bring the passion and the experience into the role. And I think that they would probably say that about me, that I'm, that I'm um, passionate and I have a positive outlook on, on things. Cool. Um, yeah. What's your favorite place you ever visited? So you're, when you're, when we're able to travel, I guess we can kind of now again, but what's, what's, what's one place that really stands out for you? The first one that comes to mind, I would say, is uh, Peru. Mm. I, I really like Peru. I think it was because it was a good mix of um, kind of adventure and history and being able to um, do the, the hikes and all yeah. those things. And it, like, I, I mean, got to like camp outside and all those kind of things. Like, I think kind of it was the best of both worlds, like traveling and, uh, and uh, adventure there. Cool. And what's the next place on, if you could cross another one off your bucket list of vacation or travel to, what's what's on the list? Uh, well, um, the original plan for the honeymoon was uh, Indonesia. So I'd love to go to Indonesia. We're not going to be able to, to get out there this time. But uh, yeah, I think that would be the next one on the bucket list for sure. Cool. And last last one. Um, if you're forced to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? What's your, what's your go-to? I think it's got to be pizza. Yes. <laughs> you can do anything with it, right? You got, uh, yeah, lots of flexibility there. Love it. Okay. Uh, thank you. So we have a couple more questions for a wrap up. Um, uh, if you're if you're in the uh, market for a vehicle and you have a, an existing vehicle, are you better off to trade it in or are you better off to sell it privately? Yeah, I think that there's some considerations that you have to make when making that decision. I think, I mean, the main ones are convenience and... I would say getting the most um, 
for your vehicle as well. So I think, I mean, the most convenient is definitely going to be able to trade it in uh, at the dealership. You're probably not going to get the most it's that nice. you can for that vehicle. But um, having sold a vehicle privately myself, it can be a bit of an undertaking based on kind of, I don't know, there's a few factors, but I mean, the new owner might want to take it to the mechanic and it could be a kind of a several day affair there. But I, I think that if you're looking to get the most value, private is probably the way to go. If you're, um, if you know, which uh, I don't know, maybe you're a, a specific brand of car uh, fan, like it kind of, um, and maybe you need a new vehicle every three or four years, it might be best to to do the trade-in because I, I mean, building that relationship, just like with anything is, um, is something to be considered there, especially if, if that's uh, kind of the route that you want to take. So last question I had is if anyone that's listening um, and they have any questions or, um, you know, want to learn more, what's the best way for them to get the hold of yourself or someone at the branch or what sort of, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, I, I think one of the, um, the great things about Valley First is we have uh, dedicated advisors. Um, and it's something that I haven't seen with my experience in the financial industry is that at every level of banking, you would have a, um, an advisor to take care of you and be that one point of contact. And so really being able to um, come in, meet with that person and have that continue through your financial journey, I think is, is crucial, especially in, especially in kind of the current environment that we're in. I think that we're seeing more things thrown at us than maybe ever before. So I, I think that really being having that person who, who knows you and is dedicated to you and, and you can reach out to at any time about really anything um, can go a long way. And I, I think that that's really what I'd recommend is really building that um, advisory relationship. Um, because, and I think we touched on this at the beginning, is really in, I don't know, in school and things, we don't learn about kind of that personal finance. So having someone who really is an expert in that area and can, and can uh, really kind of discover more about you and, and advise you in kind of those times of need, it, it can go a long way uh, uh, with those uh, financial goals that you have. Interesting. Well, Aaron, thank you for taking the time to chat about this today. It's interesting because I'm actually in the market for a vehicle. So it got, got me thinking about a couple of things that um, maybe I hadn't thought about. So um, thank you for sharing sort of your journey, your knowledge, and hopefully people got some good information to, to ask for them to ask themselves a few questions before they're going in and purchase. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. It was great to meet you. Yeah, thanks, Aaron, and uh, everyone else. Have a great rest of your day, and thank you for tuning into Business Matters. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.